Hi, this is Margo Esca. Welcome to Improv Interviews. I am really excited to host today's show with my wonderful guest, Stephanie Anderson. Stephanie is a teacher at Second City Training Center in Chicago. She's an improviser, performer, coach, and an innovative learning consultant. Well, hi, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me on your wonderful show, Margo. <laughs> well, let's talk about what you really love to do today. Okay. Besides teach me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love uh, blending my passions for improv and uh, therapeutic techniques and accessing the way people learn in different styles. And I do that by working with diverse groups of people or coaching individuals uh, to, to teach them how improv can access different parts of our brain um, and our creativity. Yeah, great. Something I really love. And performing. Do you love performing? Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> if you could do anything, would it be perform all the time? Do you think, or you would like to have a balance? Um, I love. I love having a balance. I think uh, teaching. There is a performance element to teaching. Uh, being on or or holding a room. Uh, it's a different level when you write a sketch and perform it, or if you improvise, because uh, you have no control over the outcomes really. So I kind of enjoy riding that high wire act when I can. Um, if uh, if performing improv paid paid more, I'd probably do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Margo? What do you most enjoy doing? Well, I really love to be performing. I love to be on stage and working with other people. Yeah. And teaching is my second passion. I yeah. do love to teach. And you've also worked in wellness with groups like Parkinson's and anxiety at Second City, haven't you? Yeah, but, well, mostly my focus has been uh, with uh, Humor Doesn't Retire age group and uh, in anxiety over there. But I um, used to work in the psychology field, mental health, as a practitioner uh, when I lived in D.C. many years ago. So I used to work with uh, adolescents over at Children's National Medical Center. And that's where I actually began using improvisation as a therapeutic tool uh, for us to use in therapeutic groups. So when did you start improv? When did you first learn it? Was it in D.C.? Yeah, it was back in D.C. Um, it was about a year into my first year at the hospital, and I needed an outlet because it was, you know, as you know, in mental health, there's a... Um, heavy cases and you can if you're not careful you can take them home with you mm -hmm. and uh so I needed something to care for myself a little self-care and I had done a little bit of theater in college um just on the side for fun and I decided I was going to sign up for an improv class because I'd seen it on I'd seen improv uh on on television you know whose line is it anyway and so I figured I'd, I'd just try that out. And I had a really great teacher, Sean Westfall, over at the DC Improv. And I fell in love with it, and I never stopped since that first class. And some of my best friends still in DC are ones that I met in that first year of taking classes. And it really empowered me as a, as a, a practitioner, as somebody as part of the nursing staff. Um, it also it helped me to like tap into my own power a little bit more. And, um, and I never looked back. I've been continuing to do that and invest more. And then I moved to Chicago uh, roughly five years ago, a little bit over, um, to, to invest more time and energy and learning more about the craft at, at Second City and I.O. and Annoyance and everywhere else I could. It is addicting, I think, because when I started 
several years ago now. Yeah. I never stopped. And I started going to workshops and conferences and festivals, and yeah. it just never ends. Yeah. But it brings, when I teach, it brings so much joy to other people. And I think, especially people who might have challenges like anxiety or people who are retired and don't know what to do with their lives. But you also mentioned the empowerment, the self-confidence we get when we practice improv. Yeah, I, I think it's like, that's kind of the secret part of it that really keeps you hooked, you know? It's like, one of the things that I noticed on the unit when I was working is I felt like I was uh, at the mercy of what whatever the acuity was on the unit and the circumstances of my colleagues and everything like that. and. Um, just, it was a, a mental shift. Practicing improvisation taught me a mental shift in how, how I am also an agent for change in any environment that I'm a part of. So it is, it is very, how like my own tone, my own approach, my own personality, my own authenticity can, can you know, negatively or positively impact a space if I'm aware of it. Because um, I, I became much more better at observing, having observational awareness of what was going on on the unit and then how I interacted with that. And yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. How did you find improv, Uh I had signed up for a class after I had some brain surgery. A friend of mine said that improv and acting might help me recover. And I took my very first improv class with my director, Craig Price. And I never stopped. Within a year, I was performing. Within two years, I was teaching. And I continue. And I just, I just adore it. That's yeah. And you meet the most wonderful people. Like That's I true. had the opportunity to be in Chicago last summer at the Yes And Mental Health Conference. Yeah. And the most fantastic people. They're genuine. They're in the moment. Yeah. And uh, they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true. That's absolutely true. Some of my best friends are improvisers. Yeah. There's like a acceptance and also, yeah, there's just like something about that, uh, what it, it attracts, the types of personalities that it attracts, um, people that are team players and like to lift each other up and that kind of thing, which has been really great. Yeah. So tell me more about innovative learning consultation. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. Of course. So like one of the things that I um, have been doing freelancing um, throughout the year since I've uh, left that hospital position was that um, I've been, uh, I, I've always been a facilitator of curriculum since m one of my first jobs out of college was as an educational facilitator for a learning conference for uh, leadership development um, in DC. And uh, one of the things that I've always found interesting is the ways in which we can um, motivate and like and educate people uh, using different techniques. So one of the things that I've done as a freelancer is I develop curriculum for different organizations that are um, looking to find ways to to work with clients or with young students or with adult learners um, in creative ways. So how can we utilize creative arts in general, so that's something that I'm particularly interested in. Like, how do you use music and movement and art and visual arts and play, uh, especially using improvisation, how can you do that to get people, get the most out of everybody that you're working with? So, 
it's something that I really am passionate about uh, doing and working with individuals, you know, um, to help them be even better uh, facilitators as well. Right. Well, you're very good at it. Yeah, you're you. most excellent at it. That's okay. And I, uh, we were doing a scene earlier, and sometimes on my podcast, we take a risk, we do a little scene. Yeah. And we were doing a scene where I might say just a statement to you, and you're going to respond maybe with a sound and go from there. Should we try that now? Sure, let's okay. Do it. That sounds great. Okay. Um, Would you like me to start with the sound? Make yes. Sound? Okay. Yes. Great. Okay. Um, this chair is very comfortable. Mm. Yeah, it's quite comfortable. I find it to be very mm, perfect for my lumbar support. Well, I know you do suffer from a bad back, and I'm happy to see this is helping your back a little I'm, bit. I'm getting out. I'm trying on furniture. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I've got another piece over at the other side of the store. Can you actually walk, or do you need to be carried? I would love it if you can just carry me on your back over to the other side of the store. No problem. Just let me... Uh, uh, okay, gotcha. Just hold on. Don't drop me. I would never drop you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's called customer service to the best degree. absolutely <laughs> absolutely i think we were in rooms to go probably oh, i think they do that at rooms to go. <laughs> i bet they do they move those rooms <laughs> you gotta have good service so what are some other future projects you have going on for you i know you just got back from washington and you travel different places around yeah. the country we want to get you here in florida of course like, yeah um yeah so um in the new year, um, some projects I have are to do some more um, speaking engagements, talking about uh, the work that I've done and the kind of, um, you know, motivating people to do their, their best work and chase after the things they love. Um, and also working with a couple uh, organizations to do some improv, some corporate improv, uh, to bring that to those worlds. And... Um, yeah, and I, I, I'm writing a solo show. That currently, I tour a show with my writing partner, um, Alex Belisle. Or the title is Girlish, girlishchicago.com. Um, we uh, we just came back from DC and we did workshops and taught uh, taught those and did a, a series of shows. And that's something I really love doing. So I I plan to absolutely do more of that in the next year. Great. How about for you? I don't know what the new year will bring. I'm teaching yeah. people with Parkinson's right now, but I'm also working on getting groups for anxiety as well and yeah. teaching improv to people in 12-step recovery. And there's so many applications that improv can go to. You know, for example, you mentioned corporate, but all the different kinds of illnesses and psychological illnesses people face, Absolutely. that improv can really be a help. I think sometimes, though, when I market myself to different organizations they hear the word improv and sometimes they think of stand-up comedy yeah and i think sometimes that word can be a hindrance of course you're with second city the mecca of improv but what do you think about that about the word improv and how people might misunderstand and be reluctant yeah i can understand that i think there we're at an interesting time where improv is uh, becoming much more understood and known and, and popularized, so I think a lot more people are aware of what it is. Um, I can understand how some 
so that scares away some people that would otherwise be uh, bought into it early. Um, when I used to use improvisational tools on a unit, I would never call it that, only because I I didn't want to uh, to create expectations for what it would mm-hmm, be. Mm-hmm. Um, we would just I would just do we're gonna play this game or we're gonna have an, we're gonna you know go on with on this journey with me. We're about to do this exercise that's kind of silly and new and fun. And then um, it would always be in the debriefing that we would get to the therapeutic part of it. So I think there's like, it depends on your audience, certainly. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So do you have any teachers in particular? I, you, I know I love Spolin, and I became much more involved in Spolin work over the past year. I was trained in different aspects of improv. There's so many different schools. Sure. But I find Spolin just really works for me and the people that I work with. Yeah, I, um, I think... Well, yeah, sure. She's the mother of it, right? So, <laughs> mother of improv. Yeah, you have to you have to respect that. <laughs> that um, I really like. That's uh, that's some of my best the my best uh, educational tools for as a teacher have come from like the beginning of that book, um, improvisation for the theater, and I think. There, you're right. There are so many different philosophies, and I know starting off like there's. Uh, I started, I took classes, literally every theater you could think of, and would travel to different cities in New York and try out all of those, and uh, went to LA on a couple occasions to do a series of workshops there, and just learn from as many different styles Mm -hmm. as possible, understanding that all of them may have the, like, different, just different recipes to get to the same end, which is ease on stage. That's all we're kind of going for that we can just respond authentically and have fun and whatever way, you know, whatever tools that you choose that work best for you in that process are going to be the best. And I, I think like for me as a teacher, I don't, I I like to borrow all of those. I like to find my favorite, like, you know, there's certain lines that certain teachers have told me or certain ways of, of their setup of a certain exercise that have really resonated with me and I like to give them credit in my classes because of, of that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is so wonderful. I love talking about improv. I could talk about it all day long. I'm <laughs> thinking do. about it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh, I had a great week. One week I taught four classes, and that was a great week for me. Yeah. I know you do it much more than that. But just teaching is uh, really so rewarding. Yeah. And the mindfulness aspect, we were talking about that earlier, about you know the mindfulness being present and being authentic and being in the moment and how important that is for improv and to get out of the head. Because I know if I start going in my head, first of all, I'm not paying attention to my partner sure. and attempting to make them look great um, and getting stuck. So I think that mindfulness is a really important factor for me. Oh, absolutely. I That, like... Mindfulness is essentially what we are practicing when we are in the moment and responding to the gifts that are happening around us and not trying to invent anything, you know. That's like, it is like a meditation. Anytime I lead anybody through a mirror game, Mm -hmm. there's like the moment of like making eye contact with somebody and there's this discomfort that comes up through laughter or something we've talked about of like, you know, people trying to talk through that to buffer you know, but recognizing that, like, just being present with another person is a mindfulness practice, 
and uh, just like any kind of meditation, like you can let go of that, you know, the, the self-awareness or the concern part um, long enough to, to maintain that connection. It can be hard at first and you build up a threshold of, of ability to be able to do that over time with more practice. Now, I know some of the students I work with, and there's a lot of them are seniors, are very hard on themselves. No matter how much I say there are, there are suggestions, but there's no rules, there's no mistakes, there's no failure. Yeah. There's still this, and I went through this my first two years of feeling like I made a mistake, I wasn't doing it right. right. And what do you think about that idea? I think that that's like part of how uh, we've been taught to survive as adults, right? Is like... Are we create? Are we answering correctly? Are we like satisfying the the desires of the our bosses? Are we, you know, um, have we like answered tests correctly? Whatever the case may be, there's there's so many part of the constructs in our society that require that we uh, we fulfill somebody's expectation or our own outside of being present. Right? It has nothing to do with like what we are right now it's what we're about to be or what we should have been or what we could have been and what we're chasing so mm-hmm. I think that's um that's one of the my favorite parts about teaching is like recognizing that these like recognizing for my students that these are these have been survival techniques for all of us that work on the outside world and but those accolades or that self-judgment is not going to be valuable in this space so to to slowly like remove the bricks of self-protection away from them to allow them to see like they are enough like them as they are now are enough and any choice you make in this moment is the perfect one because you can't have reverse engineered or hoped for for something different this is what happened um and that like once you can accept yourself here and now then like what else is possible that ripple extends through your past your future you know the choices you're making here and now I think that's like such a powerful message of it I think it is too and having a coach who's very accepting I found working with you you've been so accepting Uh unconditionally and I've had other coaches like that but some who may not have been so this Christmas, you're a gift to me, Stephanie Anderson. <laughs> and uh, I want to just thank oh, you thank so you. much for agreeing to do this podcast of today. Course. And I just love you. And do you have any messages out there for beginning improvisers who are like kind of on the fence with it right now? Yeah, what would you tell them? I think um, I'd say uh, that just because you're taking class doesn't mean you have to be chasing a lifelong career of performing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that has to be everybody's goal. Um, if you're doing it and you're having fun, great, stick with it. If it's no longer fun, there's so many things to do that are more fun. But take uh, from it the lessons of, like, you are enough. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, and accept, accept what is right now and what you can do about it. Um, and not be so hard on yourself <laughs> as, as I was also when I was starting out. Yeah. 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 You are also a gift to me. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, we'll say goodbye to our podcasting audience and wish them a happy holiday. Happy holidays. (laughs) Bye-bye.